You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Oh, I'm so excited for today. We have Pastor Brett Metter. He is our senior pastor at Athey Creek Christian Fellowship. He is going to join us today as we just kind of sat down and had a little bit of an open conversation, but it was so good to hear from him. I have known Pastor Brett for almost 22 years, and my family, we've just had the privilege of calling Athey Creek our home and going chapter by chapter and verse by verse through the scriptures and have grown and learned so much. So I hope you enjoy this getting just to hear from him a little bit on some words he has for us as women. So we'll just jump right in. Thank you for taking the time to do this. This is a real treat for us. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. And it's so cool to see what the Lord's doing with the women's ministry, Mm -hmm. with you, Amy. It's so cool that you and I have worked together for years and years. Long time. We were laughing at the staff meeting the other day how you're the longest-termed staff members, years. Yeah, and yeah. Years. And, but just to see what the Lord's doing through you in the women's ministry, I'm so excited about it. Man, you guys are killing it. It's just so awesome to see what's happening. The Lord has done so much in, in just a short period of time, it, it seems like. But I was even thinking about Chris and I, we started coming to Athey in 1999. Yeah. And it was pretty small back then. But that was our first time for both of us to be in a church that was through the Bible— Verse by verse, chapter yeah. by chapter. So, and, and I do feel like that sort of feels like a little bit of a purple unicorn these days, <laughs> studying Boy, church that way. That's true. I feel back when we started, I, I remember the, the number was 2% of churches in America were still going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Back in the J. Vernon McGee days, I don't know what the percentage was, but there was a day when it was like half churches saw that as a real value. But it is weird. We're the strange one now, going verse by verse through the Bible. But I love the emphasis that you've had with the ladies to be all about the Scriptures. It's the Word, it's the Word, it's the Word, and that's our anchor. I think that that's oftentimes, sadly, what's missing in some women's ministries is just that sure foundation of Scripture, not as much about what the trends are in Mm. women's ministry. It's more about what does the Bible say about our walk, and you're doing such a good job bringing that back. Well, we've talked about that a lot in every podcast. We always talk about being women devoted to the Word of God, and I always try to remind guys it's not a tagline because it is so important, Mm. but it's so great for us devoted podcast, Athey Women, under the covering of Athey Creek, because we are doing the same things. You know, yeah. we're wanting yep. to be walking, rowing in the same boat, as we like to say a lot, and <laughs> just making sure that we are pushing us through Scripture and seeing, doing some of the work even sometimes. You have been in ministry a long time. <laughs> I think most of the listeners probably know who you are, but maybe give a little bit of background too for where you came from for those that are joining us that have not, sure. might not be as familiar. Yeah, the story is kind of, when I was a little kid, I didn't like going to church because I had to wear shiny shoes and put on a little (laughs) tie. Remember those little clip-on ties that kids used to wear? And I hated it. And I hated church and I hated Sundays. Then when I turned 10 years old, I had a new pastor in a new situation where this young dude from California moved up and started teaching the Bible and we started a church. My parents were part of that. I remember thinking at 10 years old, wow, I love the Bible. He was able to teach the Bible, and this was my pastor, John Corson, taught the Bible so effectively that a 10-year-old, I could totally take it in and, and glean, and I was so excited about it. By the age of 12, I decided I wanted to be a pastor. And so at the age of 17, 
our church at that time that started in my house grew to about 1,500 people. <laughs> and that's when I started being the children's pastor. At 17, I was the children's pastor. And then at 18, they made me the college down through the babies pastor. And then at 19, I was an elder and a licensed ordained to do weddings and funerals and start ministry. And then I went off just for a very short time to see what seminary was all about. And I was there just a kind of long enough time to say, nah, it's not for me. And it was because, honestly, I came from a thriving, working church that was growing, and people were being saved, and the Word was being taught effectively. And one of the profs I listened to at the seminary was a guy who didn't even really believe in the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. Wow. And so I just came back from that thing, and I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be brought down by that. So I just continued ministering there at Applegate, you know, the church there for 13 years on staff. And then at the age of 30, Deb and I just had our hearts stirred to move up to Portland because it was one of the least church cities in America mm -hmm. in 1996. So we moved up here and thought, let's just teach the Bible and see who will come. Shortly thereafter, that's when you and Chris started coming. And and we've seen the same thing that happened in, in my little house and the church that grew up in Southern Oregon. We've seen the same hunger for the Word up here in Portland and just watched it grow exponentially. Yeah, I think especially when we started coming, we came from Christian homes and good churches growing up but and Bible college. But we realized that after being an atheist for even like five years, I remember he and I were having a conversation going, we've learned more about the Bible mm. here in the last five years than up until this point in our yeah. life. And it was kind of eye-opening to both of us. And But it's been so great, even as for our kids, to be knowing that they're part of that. They're getting so much more in yeah. the Word than we did yep. as kids, and hopefully having an experience more like what you had, yep. where they're going to be growing up. I hear a lot of times, gals and guys, though, feeling like they need to get to seminary, or they need to learn more, and they need to do those things. Yeah. And, it's, and I go back and forth, because I'm not negating that all of those sure. types of things are, yeah. are wrong or bad, and if the Lord calls you to that, but... I know I've seen, and I bet you've seen too, sometimes folks go there and yep. they get a little bit of a, a tweaked version yeah, of that. You're, you're totally right about that. I've recently been trying to be more careful about, when I talk about seminary, reminding that some of the guys that I read and study and that I glean from were all seminarian graduates. Yeah, you know, and, absolutely. And I owe it to them. I look at it like this. Show me a seminarian that is studied and knows the Word and believes in the Scriptures completely. Let that guy help bring the hay down from the loft. Those yeah. are the brainy guys. They're the ones that do the heavy lifting so that some of us normal people that aren't maybe quite so scholarly can glean from those guys. So I really do value scholarly work and people that have done the heavy lifting. But yeah, I think that in our modern day, it's hard to find a seminary that will stick to it. I'm sure there's still good professors within those seminaries, but there's also a lot of this more liberal theology that's mm -hmm. crept in. And I, I do, as a under-shepherd, Jesus is the great shepherd, but we're called to be under-shepherds. And, and I just hope that we are guarding the flock. Paul, in Acts chapter 20, was talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, and he, and he talked about how he would watch and warn the congregation of the flock. And Paul puts kind of this heavy price on it. He says he's put us as pastors in to cover and lead the sheep that he's purchased with his own blood. Yeah. There's a heavy calling there. And so I take that job seriously. And so to guard from bad theology and some of this new stuff that they call truth that's not, I'm concerned that people are so easily duped by those guys. So that's why we kind of stick to the Scripture and, and we'll challenge at times those 
churches and, and doctrines that are crossing lines. Yeah. It gets tricky because we do get asked a ton. I know you get asked, I get asked a ton about, well, what about this author? What about yeah. this? And yeah. this is a good source. And something you've challenged me on in the past is making sure we're to encourage people to be Bereans, yep. but we're not necessarily their Berean, yep. which I think is a That's really right. great distinction that you made for me because it's guiding them in learning to discern. Yeah. I, there's just way too much. I mean, if yeah. we were to try to take all of the people out there and then give everybody, I don't really know what my opinion is worth anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. It's, yeah, it's true. And it's so tricky because to keep that fine line between what are the essentials, yep. essential doctrines versus things that are just flavor differences. And, and I think the congregation gets confused about that too. Brett, we need to be unified and we need to be a church. Brett, you shouldn't be so divisive about this or that. And God forbid that I'm divisive on things that don't matter. Right. But Jesus talked about how the gospel of Jesus would be divisive. People would, even your mother, sister, brother, father might leave you if you're a follower of Jesus. And and sticking to scripture will sometimes divide people. But it's that whole thing of being unified around Christ and around the doctrinal truths, but not uniformity. That's the problem. Everybody wants to be the same. It's like, oh yeah, well, but uniformity in the essentials, yes, but unity in everything else. And so I think sometimes Athey Creek, we probably get, I, I know I get pushback from people, you shouldn't call out some of these doctrinal issues. And, and I believe we are supposed to when it comes to the essential doctrines. Very important. The I, I so agree. And I think even just as people, when they're looking for the church they want to belong to and yeah. you know call the, that church their home, that couldn't be more important. And I think in some ways, for me, I think I took for granted being at a church for so long mm-hmm. that that is... Just that's the bread and butter we are taught in scriptures, but that's not the case for everyone. But when you're talking about sometimes these tertiary issues, this is a tricky one sometimes when it comes to women, for Mm. sure. On two parts. Part of it you mentioned, we want to be unified and we want to be peacemakers. I think women, by nature, we tend Mm. to want to be the peacemakers. Maybe we've broken up a few too many fights with our kids and you know (laughs) we're like, everybody just get along. We don't want any conflict. But... That is not necessarily always congruent with what Scripture is telling us Mm -hmm. on the main thing. And so I think what you were saying about it's being unified around Christ, but not all being the same, I think is an important distinction on that. But on sometimes the tertiary issues, everybody kind of, they struggle with like women in the church and what that should look like. And for some churches, that's either the main thing or it's the elephant in the room. Yes. And I wish it wasn't either one. I, I, I don't think it should be. Yeah. And, but... I wonder if you could talk about that for a second, because I think sometimes there's sort of where there's some that believe a certain thing about women in the church, mm-hmm. and it is a tertiary issue, and it's not a salvation issue. Yes. But it can also lend to some not good interpretation of Scripture that can lead you to not interpret other Scriptures correctly, too. Yeah, it's the old, you start opening a door, and once you open a certain door, you have to be really careful because it does move from non-essentials to essentials really fast. You're totally right about that. It's funny because on Sunday, and I'm not sure if I did this in all the services, the the four services, but I think most of them I talked about, and I kind of, it's almost like I threw a grenade out in the <laughs> right. congregation. So, okay, here, here's something for y'all. It was the women in ministry mm-hmm. uh, discussion. And it's kind of some of the stuff we were talking about in our Through the Bible study. 
But it also is something that's been on my heart in this coronavirus season. Our church has grown, and it's such a strange dynamic for us here. We have a lot of brand new people. Yeah. Somebody said that at the info desk, 10 o'clock service, two Sundays ago, we had over 40 new families or something wow. that are all brand new families. The first time at Athey Creek, 40 in one service. And I was thinking, man, that's amazing. But it's largely because we're open and people are coming. But I've also sensed that there's a there's a lot of new people that are trying to figure out who is Athey Creek and what's the thing here. And I, I just, the Lord put it on my heart to say that's one of the things we take quite literally is First Timothy chapter 2 is a hard scripture. And a lot of churches really struggle on that one. To me, it's that issue of the roles of men and women in leadership mm -hmm. in churches. And what I love here at Athey is we have great women and a great women's ministry. And what you're doing, Amy, is so great. And you really are called to a role of leadership that I think is so effective and great. But at the same time, some ladies say, well, where's your pastors? Where's the women pastors at Athey? And, and to me, it's, it's real simple. It's First Timothy chapter 2, where Paul said that men are to lead the church and that women are not to usurp authority over the man in the church. And I like, Amy, you telling the ladies that more than me telling the ladies that, because <laughs> you're, you're so formidable. You're not what I think some people have this vision, well, that means the women are less than right, men or— right or that women aren't as smart or talented. And it's really quite the opposite. My view on that is that the Lord has just chosen to put men in a role in the church because I think He wants the men to step up to that role. And if we didn't have that role, I have no question in my mind that women would step right up and, and do that. I was out in the South Pacific uh, in Vanuatu, and I went to a village called Ranwas. And it's an interesting little village. You have to hike for a day and a half to get to this little village over a volcano. Like, it's really something. And bones in the noses, <laughs> spears. But then you come to this little village that's just beautiful, these little huts, and it's all Christians. They're all Christians. Hmm. And it was really something. All the other villages are what they call pagan villages. That The pagan people call themselves the pagan villages. But when I they brought me to their church there and said, hey, Pastor Brett, look at our church. And, look at, and then they introduced me to the pastor. And the pastor was this sweet woman that was just this great island lady. And we talked, and we prayed for the church, and we sang. And and then she pulled me aside, and she said, Pastor Brett, I, I just met you and everything, but I want you to know. And she really was so sweet. She said, I, I just want you to know, I don't want to be the pastor here. And I said, well, what do you mean? I thought I knew where she was going, but yeah. true enough, she said— there's no man that will lead mm -hmm. in the church. And I was able to say, you know, what's so cool is what you're doing is you're being kind of like Deborah mm -hmm. of the book of Judges. And she was this great woman who just stepped up because no man would. And that's what Deborah did. Remember all the mm -hmm. men in the Deborah story? Well, they were all kind of guys that weren't willing to take charge and, and step up and do what God actually called them to do. And I love that this lady stepped up and and so I see that in women's ministry. I see there's a great gap because men aren't doing what they're called to do. Mm -hmm. It's it's largely I put that on the men. And so a lot of churches and places, you'll see that strong leadership in, in women. But my challenge is that guys need to step into their roles and do what they're called to do. And then I think largely what I found is women are like, yeah, 
we're, we're good with that. You know, we like for our, the men to lead in the church. And so by some of these newer thoughts about women should be equally in roles as men are pastors, elders, it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible, but I see why it's happening. And that's what we have to do is not just try to put a bandaid on a broken arm by putting women in those roles. To me, let's get the men to do what God's called them to do. And then there's all kinds of wonderful things women are doing and can do in ministry that are so important for the church. In in so many things. I feel like the world just really messes us up with this. And honestly, Christians have yeah. have done their some damage to this as well. I remember when we'd come and it would be one of those sermons and it would be a first Timothy two and you're like, I hate to say it. But I know I'm gonna get angry emails. Yeah. And I would always walk to the car with Chris and go, I love these sermons. <laughs> and the thing is is because when you when you are just seeing, when you're a couple things, you're submitted to what the Word of God is saying, mm -hmm. but you just see that it is a get to and not a got to, and the covering and the blessing that it is. Yeah, it's joy. It is huge. Yeah. Now I also recognize that man, I'm married to an amazing godly man. I had a really great family growing up with a dad that led us really well. Yeah. And I know that there's people that have not had those circumstances. And for those, right. when they hear something like that, that is harder. It's a harder word for them. But I also, I challenged the gals at New Mercies this weekend too, just because humans mess stuff up yep. and we don't do what the Lord's called us to rightly, mm -hmm. that doesn't negate what scripture is saying. Exactly. And yeah. I would ask, how is that working out for us? Right. Humanity. I was just watching some of the things yesterday that in the first three days, working days of of this new administration, our president, one of the big things he's really been focused on is transgenderism right. and some of those issues that are so controversial. But to me, it's heartbreaking because you're seeing what's happening to, some people think that he's doing things that are going to be great for women, for gay, lesbian, transgender people. But, you know, this whole thing of, one of the things he signed just was yesterday, I think, is, is about the women in sports and men right. in sports. And and now that men can be in all of women's sports, and it's so tragic what they're doing. It's part of really, I kind of link it to the cancel culture issue, you know, where basically, whether they know it or not, women are being canceled because we're erasing those gender divisions that God actually says he created man and he created woman. And God doesn't allow for the other things that we've tried to put in between. So now I just saw this lady who holds the 400-meter record, world record, or maybe it's the 100 meter, I forget. But she's the best one in the world. She's famous. She's great. She's an African-American woman who's just an amazing athlete. But now with this new rule that these biological men can compete with women, there's like 300 high school senior boys who've beat her record just mm -hmm. in high school. And she's the world record holder for women. So she's going to go off into obscurity because if we really do think of equality in that way, it just takes away from this great woman who's done something amazing, you know? And I feel like the church, we've, we've sort of bought into this sort of worldview that we think quality in the church is what needs to happen. But it's actually erasing the values of, honestly, both the men and the women. I think men bring great things to the table. Women bring amazing things. I always like to say that 
with men leading in the church, it's great. But if it was only men, it'd be the worst church in the world. You know, it'd, it'd lack joy and passion and it'd lack sensitivity. There's so many things we'd lack as a church without the personality and the work that God has given to the women in our congregation. So I'm totally opposed to the idea of trying to make it all meld together into one big gender or genderless or whatever they're calling equality. I think the Lord knew what he was doing when he divvied out the roles and the tendencies and the talents and the giftings, and he knew what he was doing. It's is so it's just stripping us of our uniqueness as yeah. you know, men and women and the things that the Lord wired us to be mm-hmm. in such a way that is like you're that's a great example of just something that's totally detrimental to our yeah. society. And I think while at one point they're stripping the things that make women unique, and we should be celebrating that as women, not trying to jump on to, well, we just want to be like all the guys. At the same time, we're not doing a very good job of celebrating men for who the Lord made them to be. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I can't handle when we're going to elevate one gender at the cost of another. I that The math does not make sense on how you're going to try to purport that on a, on a biblical level at all. Yeah. We talk about a lot the that we are, we are all image bearers, and yes, that's the stamp, and I suppose that is where we are all equal image bearers, but yes. we are unique, and the Lord wired us differently, and that isn't a bad thing. Yeah, it's true. It really is fairly basic, if you ask me, just the logic behind Mm -hmm. it. God created man and woman. He gave us roles. But then in the New Testament, you know, recognizing that men would tend to oppress women, and there have been horrible times in history where men treated women horribly and still do. You know, I I still see that. And then then the Bible says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. And it's funny because the the issues of of gender and race were brought up in just that same Mm -hmm. one one verse. And I think that it's the world that has fogged up those issues. The Bible has made it simple. And I think for a lot of generations, people knew, yeah, Lord got it right. The Bible's right. It's in these last 10, 20 years we've seen the, the fuzzying of the lines. And, and I think we're only headed for more misery and trouble with both gender and with, with race issues if, if we don't pull up from yeah. where we're going right now. Yeah, and it is convoluted and it gets messy. And so then I think the longer you talk about it, it feels like you just start to spiral down. Yep. And that's when I start want to like pull us back up and go, well, see— Scripture is super clear. That's it. Let's just focus on that. We don't have to go down all these trails. We don't have to figure out why this would Mm -hmm. work. If we could just be submitted and obey the things that the Lord has put in front of us to do, so much easier. Yeah, I, I start getting where I feel like I'm not quite smart enough to figure out all all the ways that this would work out. But as unfortunately the church at large has tried to kind of join with the world in some of these things, and I think that's why we get some of these messy and mixed messages that don't really, I think, serve the church very well, but also, I think, hurt the family. Yeah. Boy, that kind of segues back to what we were talking about before, the unity issue. Mm-hmm. And Peter talked about, in First Peter, how we're living stones being fitted together, and, mm-hmm. and that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And, and I love that. That's what unity is all about. We're fitted together, and Christ is the cornerstone. So the cornerstone was the one that was set, that set the whole wall. You'd set a cornerstone, make sure it was square and right and level— And then you go from there and build the rest of the church. And Jesus is what we build the church on. And then we go from there. The problem has come where I I think people in the name of unity have said, let's join our stones all together and we'll all be together. But 
there might just be another building. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's two buildings. And if you're not on the right building, and and I think that some of the churches embraced some of these doctrinal issues that are just kind of off course. Like you said, it may not be an essential doctrine, but it can lead to mm-hmm. other tweaks on essential doctrines. And that's why just being in the Word, sound doctrine will help all of us with with that. So we're unified around Christ, and, and Christ is the standard. And in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John chapter 1, and that's Jesus. So the more we focus on Jesus, that means we're focusing on His Word, and that's kind of that that safety net. And then we can be unified and have unity just because we're linked to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's all, if we can keep Jesus the main thing, then we're going to all be on a good course. If, if it suddenly becomes all about gender and all about white fragility, mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how many churches are jumping onto racial and social issues that really are the things that divide, that really we should be linked to Christ on. So I love that we can stay on course just with the word. It's our compass. Yeah, that kind of brings up because that is something that I think because women just have a sensitivity for wanting, we want to be things to be just and kind. And and so there does feel like sometimes there's this mixed message of the mm. gospel when it comes to what is social justice and how does that even conflict mm. with the gospel? What are some things you would say, like kind of to steer us back into what scripture would say about that as opposed to leading with something that is not of Jesus? Yeah, you know, we try to solve problems with our solutions, and we end up— I remember reading a Spurgeon sermon once, and he said, striving to better, oft we mar what's well. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that's so true, you know, trying to fix things. You know, I grew up in Southern Oregon. Here's an example. I'm touching on all the controversial issues here. (laughs) But I remember as a kid, we used to do slash burning in the summer, and we could earn extra money. You know, and the government would hire— people to go and burn some of the fuel that was in the forest, and we'd clean up the forest and stuff. But when we said, we got to save the forest and save the spotted owl, then we all let that go. And they said, just let the forest do its thing. And and then uh, we saw the forest fires, and now we realize, wow, there's so much fuel that back when they were logging, they used to kind of clean that stuff up. And and so we see one thing that we tried to fix, we actually actually made it so much worse, and it's things are dangerous now. And I see that in the church sometimes when it comes to, we see social issues that we have a heart for, of course, things like, um, you know, the way women have been treated and and what's happening around the world and what have you, uh, you know, with the church and women, but also in other issues, all the social issues, we try to fix them by coming up with our plan when really the Lord shows us what His plan is, and it's it's actually pretty simple. The, the simple truth is, it's the gospel. It's Jesus. I have to ask myself, am I on a bandwagon on a social gospel-type issue, or am I furthering the gospel of Christ? Because if we're furthering the gospel of Christ and pointing people to Jesus, then all the other things are going to work out. But if we say, no, we're not going to focus on the gospel of Christ, and some people say, you can't you know, just focus on the gospel. There's issues of racism and inequality with men and women and this and that. But the best way to fix all of the problems is to point people to Jesus, to see people saved and baptized. Jesus and the Great Commission didn't add all those social issues to the list of things to do. The list that I have is to preach the gospel, to baptize, and make disciples. So those are the things that we're called to do. And and then when you, when the church is successful in that, then I think these other issues will be ironed out, and they won't be ironed out 
until the gospel is received and heard. It's that old thing I always talk about. Don't try to clean the fish before you catch the fish. And that's what I think the social gospel and social justice kind of thing leads the church down that kind of that rabbit hole. And sadly, they they do look at us like we're just being too simplistic and you don't understand the complexity of these issues. And and. I also find it ironic that usually the vitriol at which they speak on these things that are supposedly coming from a place of compassion Mm -hmm. is quite the juxtaposition when you, guess, watch it play out online and and that kind of stuff. As it comes to where, because a lot of these things do play out online and in Mm -hmm. social media, I'm always kind of concerned about how we're putting that out there, both Obviously, we know how the non-believers are putting things out in there, yeah. and it's usually pretty ugly. But I've been shocked to see how ugly yeah. it gets from Christians. Yep. But social media is just something that is here. Do you look at it as something is that we should continue to engage in that world, or is it best to just not engage? Boy, that's a great question. And the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really am wrestling with that yeah. one. For me personally, I—, I I I enjoy social media for two reasons. One is it's kind of fun in a church our size to be able to know what the congregation's up to and see who's who. And maybe I'm a pastoral stalker where I'm stalking (laughs) the congregation, but it's fun stuff. You know, like a family in our church, they just had a little, little calf that was delivered, a little bull, actually, it's going to be a bull. But I saw the pictures, and it brought back all these memories when I was a kid. We had our, we had cattle, and we had, uh, I remember when those little calves would be born, it was like, they're so cute. A little baby cow is so cute. Now I can walk up to those guys at church and say, hey, how's, how's your baby calf exactly. doing? You know? and, yeah. and there's just kind of a connection that I love. And then also faces and names. I can start to get faces and names as a pastor with social media. So those are the two things that I enjoy. And then... For a long time, I was trying to bring some goodness, if I could, to social media. So I was doing Brett's Bible Minutes and mm-hmm. and trying to use it just to maybe be a little redemptive. But once the coronavirus thing happened, I was doing it still just a little bit. But then you'll notice there's a huge gap on my social media where I just kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. And the reason why was because I just heard all this noise. It mm-hmm. was just noise. And it was like, to me, screaming in my ears. And I thought, I don't even want to be associated with all this. Like, I don't even want to be linked to all this. Even if what I'm saying is scripture and good and trying to help people, I just thought, why would I want to have people drawn to something that I would say, yeah, shut it down. Uh, let's get off this thing. And mm-hmm. so I took quite a break and still am kind of largely on a break that way. So. I'm frustrated with it personally, mm-hmm. just seeing how there's so much uh, misinformation and 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 people are harping on the wrong issues, you yeah. know, and getting all tangled up in politics. And, and you know, I, and I'm into politics, but it's keeping the main thing the main thing. I, I wish that people would be as passionate about what we were talking about before, the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples, baptizing. I wish we were as passionate about that as perhaps we are about who's going to be the next president and and should there be an impeachment or should there not be or all the arguing and stuff. And I have strong opinions on those all those things, but it's just the noise is pretty painful. And, and as Christians, I think we should be careful. It's amazing how they tried to drag Jesus into those issues. And and the classic one of, of Jesus speaking on taxation, render under season, what is Caesar's? I think it's such a great answer because he was answering the question, but he was also kind of minimizing what they were all passionate about. He turned it around from, should we give our taxes to Caesar to 
rendering unto the Lord what is the Lord's. Like it's it's really which one's more important, giving unto Caesar what is Caesar's, or giving unto the Lord what is the Lord's. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what we need to do. Is sure we have to live in this world. We see the politics and all the other noise out there, but. The main thing is to to follow Christ, to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And social media, I, I'm pretty sure, is not largely not helping people with that. <laughs> it's just not. Did you did you guys see that screen time challenge I did a couple of weeks yeah, ago? Yeah. And I've had more response from that, just people saying, Wow, I didn't even know you had a screen time calculator on your smartphone. And People were shocked seven, eight hours a day on their phones, you know, and and mostly social media is what the big their hours were. And so we tried to chop that in half and and most people couldn't do it. I failed. <laughs> I got like 47%. I was close. <laughs> but just just getting away from it, I think a lot of us that did that were like, oh, it's so much better to actually have time seeking the Lord, praying, being in his word. Sounds monastic. It sounds prehistoric to say to cut your smartphone time down. But I just see that that's, that's going to be more and more needed to get away from some of this. It's too much noise. Yeah. And maybe part of it is just maybe this is the answer with everything, but to be more prayerful about yeah. if you should engage with it or not. Because I am, I, I think I've heard that a lot, especially 2020 is behind us. We have 2021 and yep. people are like, what, what, how am I called to engage now? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that answer is probably the same for every person, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. But I was in a similar boat of definitely, it was just, there's so much noise. And I think we just get so overwhelmed with the input. I don't mm-hmm. even think we realize that we were not wired to have that level of really a burden all the time, yeah. of just constant. I noticed a huge uh, just change in my spirit when I turned off all notifications and I no longer got the news mm. on my watch. Ah. Or on anything. So there was like, I could still read the news, but I was determining when I would read the news and not necessarily having it just inundate all day. That's I like what you said, because that's what it has to be. I think if, if we let these devices do what they're designed to do, It'll drag us around, right? And we're the we're the ones being dragged around by these algorithms of computers. But if you take control, like you just said, I'm going to shut down my notifications, and I will choose mm-hmm. when I'm going to look at news, and I'm going to choose when I look at social media. So I do think there is a place for it, but you know, things all things in moderation, and and I think. If you look at the last 10 years, moderation's gone out the window right. Window when it comes to social media and these devices that we're using. And I think kids are watching mom and dads yeah. to see how we're doing with this whole <laughs> yeah. thing and, yeah. or not doing with it. And I regularly get convicted about that. I'm yeah. like, oh, man, yeah, they need to. But I'm one of those crazy moms that don't let any of their kids have social media of any kind. And Good for you. <laughs> we don't do it. I've got a senior in high school this year and a sophomore and a seventh grader. Your your boys, I, I don't know how many of the ladies know much about your boys, but mm. I know your boys and they're they're top notch. <laughs> like as a a dad, you know, I grew up with a lot of great men around me and I'm thankful for that. And it really helped me as a young boy growing mm-hmm. up. But I remember when I had my own son, Joey, when he was a little guy, I was looking around the church. Who do I want Joey to be like? Mm. Like, who are the guys that I want Joey to link up with? Because there's people you don't want him to hook up with. And, right. and so I just love that. But I think of when I see it, when I see your boys, I think, man, if Athey Creek young men turn out like your guys, mm. 
mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a huge win. And so I want to brag on your kids because I know you probably can't as much, but your sons are the best. Uh, I love those guys. And I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do through those guys. I am too. But I have to say too, I think if there's anything good that came from my kids, I would tell moms out there listening that it's not having church as a checkbox, that, mm. but really engaging. And I have to, I mean, how Chris has led our boys. I mean, we have had family devotions at 7 a.m. probably since, you know, I think Evan was in kindergarten. And just keeping the kids in the Word. We get in the car after church, well, when we are in person, and Chris regularly asks the guys, hey, what'd you pull out of that sermon? But, Mm. you know, moms and dads, like, engage with your kids on the things that you're learning in the Word. And and, and not being afraid that if you don't know an answer, your Mm. kids are probably going to, they're smart, and they'll come to you with a question that maybe you don't know, but... (laughs) Just, you know, keep plugging away yeah. with that. It's really good. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part of parenting, don't you think, is just engaging and then staying engaged because it's so easy to disengage and just give up or be frustrated, but just sticking with it. It's more of a long-term endeavor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We can go ahead and wrap up, but maybe you could give us what would just kind of be some marching orders or something that you see that is a good challenge for us to look at as women this year. Well, I think that for me, I have I have an interesting history with women in the church, and I'll, uh, and some people might this might make a lot of sense once you kind of hear what it is, and that is um, when I was a kid, our church was thriving, everything was going really well, and then there were a couple of women in the church that sort of took on the role of sort of taking things deeper mm. spiritually. And other women just really latched onto these ladies. Like it was like mm. these ladies were just they're deep. And and I have to say, they they were kind of amazing women in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But there was something about it that just didn't always set right. And it was a little bit like this. It was a little bit like these these gals would have Bible studies off on the side and say, Yeah, church is great and everything, but mm. but we're gonna take it deeper and we're gonna go into the deeper things. And I watched this happen as a like a high school kid. And, and I remember watching our leadership team uh, trying to figure out, wait, is this a good thing? I mean, great, women are getting in the Word and women are... But there was kind of a lack, this was the interesting thing, there was a lack of covering, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, these ladies were taking it in a whole other direction, and it got to the point where it became very divisive. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I saw as a young man, and it actually caused a huge split. And there, mm-hmm. there, there it ended up being kind of a disaster. And it's really sad because all those people, now I can look back 30, 40 years and just say, wow, that didn't work out. And a lot of those people aren't even really walking with the Lord anymore. And But the thing that I love, and, and this is what I would, I would encourage all of the people, whether I'm talking to men or women, you, Amy, talk about submission and what that means for women. But I always like to remind the whole church, before it says, wives, submit unto your own husbands, it says, submit yourselves one to another. Mm -hmm. And that's true, whether it's a women's group or a men's group. We all need to submit one to another. And so it's not in a weird way. The weird version of submission is to say, you must submit to me Mm -hmm. and do what I tell you. That's Islam, by the way. The word Mm -hmm. Islam, it means submission. And that's what they say. You either Submit to Allah and become a Muslim or die by the edge of the sword. So that's that's a weird version of submission. The beautiful biblical version is a place of honor and a place of covering 
in a place of real blessing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we all need to submit ourselves one to another. In the ironwork studies that I'm doing with the men, one of the themes I'm constantly challenging the guys is to be submitted one to another and have small groups of guys that know everything about you and can encourage you even in your weaknesses and knowing what your challenges and your sinful Mm -hmm. tendencies are and, and really standing with one another. And there's something really good about that. And And so what I love about what you're doing, Amy, is you've got not only some great Bible studies going and activities for the ladies, all kinds of good ones, but I also love how you have the smaller groups and women that are encouraging other women. Mm -hmm. But I love how there's this kind of idea of of just covering upon covering. You know, there's layers of just real health there. And the Lord never wanted us to be a lone ranger Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, where we're off by ourselves kind of doing our own thing. But at the same time, we need to not be kind of a, our Lone Ranger group as mm-hmm. well. And I love how athe women are just really um, linked, not only with each other and smaller group layer upon layer, but I love how athe women are also in total harmony and line with the elders and pastors of athe Creek. Like mm-hmm. that's such a rare thing. Oftentimes you almost see separate ministries in churches where there's kind of women doing their thing and yeah. men doing their thing and pastors just kind of doing his thing. But at Athey Creek, we've got this kind of, I think it's unique, just this almost natural, just kind of unity in the church. And the reason I, I say that's kind of the thing is because I feel like there's a lot of women who may have been a part of other women's ministries and other women's groups and and even good things that are kind of off on their own, books that ladies are going through and workbooks and things. Mm-hmm. But I also sense that there's kind of, in the greater church, there's a lot of women that are kind of doing what I saw when I was a high schooler. They're following some some lady that's disconnected from mm-hmm. the Church of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that she's kind of coming up with what she thinks is really important, and is, she's sort of the Joanna Gaines of spirituality. You can do that if you're Joanna Gaines. You can't do that when it comes to church doctrine, and gotta we all have to be submitted one to another. So... The thing that I would encourage is just to really, as the women of Athe Creek, just to really plug in to what the Lord's doing in Athe women. I think it's uniquely strong and beautiful, powerful, but at the same time, totally in lockstep with the leadership of the church. And I I just find that as a very rare thing today. I talked to my pastor friends, and a lot of them scratched their heads saying, you know, how, how do we do women's ministry where women are feeling fed and encouraged? but at the same time in total lockstep with the church. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of pastors that don't know the, the answer to that. I'm not sure I do either, other than that's just what we're experiencing here at Athe Creek. And so just to encourage women to really engage with, with what's going on here, because if you're engaged in Athe women here under your leadership, Amy, then you're also engaged with what the, the pastors, elders, what we've been praying about for years, that the yeah. Lord would just really continue to bless Athe women. So I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. No, but. yeah. And gals, I would just say, I mean, he said the word covering on that. And I, man, I can't tell you how much peace and joy I have in the job that I'm doing, because I know I am not that Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in <laughs> people following like what Amy is saying over here. It is about being under the covering of the church. You know, Chris and I, before I even took this job and we sat down with Mm -hmm. what this would look like, we talked about from the very beginning, you know, first, Chris and I talk about a lot of stuff. If there's a study I'm working on or whatever, man, we have a lot of conversations. You know, Mm -hmm. that's my covering. And then I have the covering of Athey Creek. And that is, I can't tell people how seriously I take that because I 
want to be faithful to the scriptures, but I also know that that scriptural model is so important that yeah. I am going to the leaders and the pastors. Gabe Carter's a pastor here that yep. I often will talk about things. And if we have a, a study guide that's going to be done under Athey Women, he reads yep. all of that. And Gabe's you know, kind of our doctrinal filter. I love yeah. that because he's a, a student. He, he loves studying, and but I love that you run all that stuff through I Gabe. Just, that's great. I, I just hope that gals hear that when we do that, it's not because Athey is saying, well, they don't trust me to right. do something like that. No, no, no. It is a covering and it is a blessing yeah. that I, I get to enjoy. And I hope that other people take that same model that, yeah, yeah. if you're part of Athey Women, you are not just part of Athey Women. No, you're part of Athey Creek. Yeah. And you're plugging in Sundays and Wednesdays and you're learning and you're following along in the Bible with us. And man, we're just going to all continue to grow and move in a really positive direction if, with that. So. Amen to that. And you do that outstandingly, I, I think. It really is very, it's, it seems very natural for you. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for me, it's, it's true for any good ministry, you're going to see layers of being submitted one to another. For me personally, I've got a team of governing elders, and I run everything I do pretty much by them. And I, I don't want to be that Lone Ranger pastor, you know, we're just kind of doing what I think I should be doing. But there's really safety in that. Yeah. There's safety there, and it's the model in Scripture. And I've just noticed that that's not always the case. It's almost more of a rare thing to see mm-hmm. what the Lord's been blessing us really with the, the whole climate here at Athey. I just couldn't be happier with what the Lord's doing in the women's ministry. Well, thank you so much for your time. We might have to get you to come do this again every now and then. It's my pleasure. So, yeah, it was great. Uh, and gals, I hope this has been a blessing to you. It is just, just so exciting to see how what the Lord is doing at Athey Women. And I just pray that even these scriptures that we brought up today, look them up write them down, but study these things and just ask the Lord what He would challenge you on as we continue to be devoted to God's Word and just pushing forward here in this year. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.